Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Vicki Kavanaugh is the Global Buying and Merchandising Director at The Outnet, the sister e-commerce website to Netta Porter and Mr. Porter. And the reason that she has held that venerable position at the company for almost three years now is because she's a true buyer's buyer. Now what I mean by that is that she has the art of buying coursing through her veins. Since she was a teenager, she has been fascinated by this particular aspect of the fashion industry. And it was right out of school at her very first job working in a House of Fraser department store that she first laid eyes on the glamorous women who were crisscrossing the world ordering up the stock that would line the shelves of the store in the seasons to come. And that was when she knew that being a buyer was going to be her calling. She liked the idea of finding just the right product for the people who frequented the stores she worked for, be that online or within the walls of a storefront, to find for them both the things that she knew that they would need, but also those that they didn't know they needed until she found them for them, and those items that they didn't need at all, but wanted and couldn't live without. Over the years, Vicky has proven herself to be very skilled at being in tune with her customers, be that buying for Fenwick's, House of Fraser. Harvey Nichols, the fashion e-teller Very Exclusive, or finally The Outnet. The Outnet, which just celebrated its 10-year anniversary, has become so much more than just a place where end-of-season stock goes on sale. In fact, today 90% of the stock is sourced directly from the brands on buying trips that Vicky makes with her team to the fashion capitals of the world. She's helped build deeper relationships with the brands, which has led to exclusive partnerships like the recent one the company did with Mary Kachonzu, as well as unexpected collaborations. Vicky helped put into place a collaboration between the brands in-house line, Iris and Inc., which, by the way, consistently ranks in the company's top five selling brands on its website with a style icon, model, and entrepreneur, Julia Reston-Rotfeld, a first for the company. Today, for Vicky, being a fashion buyer means being nimble, using data to help hone your choices, but to make sure to still leave room to follow your gut. In our conversation, she talks about what it takes to be a great buyer, the evolution of the luxury consumer, and the new landscape of seasonless shopping, as well as the outnet's role in a circular economy, and why she will never understand the appeal of bike shorts. Vicky, thank you so much for speaking with me. I've been really looking forward to talking to you. Thank you, you too. I'm excited to be here. Um, I want to go back to the beginning. How did you first discover that you wanted to be a buyer? Because growing up, that's not something people really think about as a job to do. I think um, if I look back, I have always been borderline obsessed with clothes and shopping um, and retail in general. So I grew up um, as a teenager working in many stores and boutiques. And then I actually joined um, House of Fraser's buying office as a, an admin assistant. House of Fraser a, you know, back in the day, it was a, a really kind of premium department store group in the UK. And I, I was very lucky, actually, because I, I didn't realise what I was stepping into. And immediately upon joining, I realised that I had entered the world of fashion. Mm-hmm. I had the most 
amazing buyer who at that point was kind of traveling around the world you know drinking champagne bringing brands to london it was quite a sight to behold so i quickly just fell in love with the industry well talk to me a little bit about that because you know having an amazing buyer who's traveling the world in first class you know drinking champagne those kind of days are over to a certain (laughs) extent can you talk to me about the um evolution then of your job to from that time to today i mean there's so much has changed but i'm curious as a buyer how it's changed yeah so i think um i mean i have worked for uh, several brands and groups all based within the uk i've been quite classically trained so i've moved through various positions so buyer's assistant assistant buyer junior buyer buyer etc um and i think on that journey i've worked for both bricks and mortar and then i've moved into ecom in these later years mm-hmm. which i believe is quite an organic journey for mm-hmm. people with you know the the level and the duration of experience um that i have i think when i first joined the industry you were buying for bricks and mortar stores. So you had a customer in mind that in a way was quite finite because it was where they physically traveled to the store to buy their product. You also were buying product that sat on a physical rail. So it had to be coordinated. You know, you had a top, you'd have to buy a a bottom so Mm -hmm. the customer could outfit build and, you know. Mm -hmm. It was a very different training ground to now. Um, I think that we've all had to adapt and be quite agile in doing so to move and evolve into an e-com product selector. So when you're selecting for a, a website versus a physical store, for example, you're really buying items that can stand alone on the page. And the more the item can photograph well, so it can convey the fabrication, the colour, the fit, then you know the, the lesser returns rate you're going to get, basically. So, you know... I I think customer base as well has changed hugely. You step into e-com and most businesses obviously will ship globally. Mm-hmm. So suddenly your your customer demographic has changed from something being finite mm-hmm. to something that's much wider. And you're still trying to buy for her, mm-hmm. the customer that you have in mind with a, a certain kind of handwriting characteristic. So you have to be slightly broader in mm-hmm. your choice. I'm curious, There's a they say something about comedians say you can't teach funny i'm curious can you teach somebody to be a buyer is it are you innately gifted to just kind of see the mindset and shop for people who you know you're not shopping for yourself you're shopping for a number of different Mm. people is that something that can be taught or is that something that you're just born with i think part and part there is an awful lot of data that we have to help in our decision making i would say that a good buyer now is as commercial so you know number oriented as she is has a good eye. I think that data and analytics carry you to a certain point and you can't ignore data because of course it's telling you what has actually transacted but there will always be that moment that you're in front of product in a showroom and then you have to use your eye and your experience because you're never going to buy exactly what you've sold previously. Mm -hmm. You know the customer is going to want something new Mm -hmm. so it's anticipating what she's going to like using the analysis to show you her handwriting stance. I was really surprised to learn that your own internal brand, Iris and Ink, is one of your top selling. It's in the top five. How did this idea of coming up with your own brand come about in the first place? And what is the secret sauce? How did how did it make it happen that, that it's so successful? What is it about it that's so exceptional? So Iris and Ink really was um, born from the need that we saw from our customers to have some great statement pieces. It, it was 
developed to be a perfect capsule wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And some of these items we find quite difficult to to source from our brand partners because they tend to never be Mm -hmm. um, discounted. So think of the perfect white shirt or a cream silk blouse. Now, years later, it is a complete standalone, full category collection, one which we're incredibly proud of. And I think the the testament of the strength of the passion that goes into the collection, if you think that it's actually standing next to brands in our top five, such as Valentino, Dolce Gabbana, you know, it's incredible mm-hmm. that the price point of Iris and Inc, you know, has the same traction with our customers with these super brands. So talking about the private label here, you actually started a capsule collection for the first time with a, an outside designer, as it were. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yes. So um, as you say, we've had a, a real moment recently. We worked with um, Julia Restin Reutfeld, who I have to say was absolutely fantastic to mm. work with. We felt that Julia um, would, and she certainly has, resonate very well with our audience you know she is she's a busy working woman she has a strong sense of style you know she seems very kind of agile and current she came to the project with a lot of her own ideas she again was involved in the um, the sketching the designing from the start she's wearing the product mm-hmm. all of the time you know it's been a real success and i think our our customers have bought into the product very very quickly mm. we actually wish that we bought a lot more as soon as it had <laughs> launched always the way um but yeah it's been both commercially and just a you know as a, a moment for the outnet mm-hmm. very successful so something to that kind of a concept to repeat in the future hopefully maybe not with her but watch with some other space watch this yes. space okay yeah well then let's talk about that the the nature of um shopping and the and this kind of see it now want it now instant gratification but we're seeing a lot more as seasons disappear that we're moving to this universe of shopping where it's more of consistent drops collaborations that kind of a thing do you see that that's really changing the landscape or do you how do you think of what do you think about this change i mean it's interesting again if we look backwards you know we we began with two seasons Mm -hmm. then it went to four seasons Mm -hmm. now we certainly operate a model that's almost seasonless because you have resort capsules you know you have pre you have main again being a global business there will always be spring summer somewhere in the world where it's autumn winter Mm -hmm. so I think that what we try to do is just make sure that we cover every possible buy now where now need Mm -hmm. to that global audience Mm -hmm. and again I think that this is where it gets really interesting from a, a brand's perspective because their commercial cycle of product and deliveries into retailers is having to adapt Mm -hmm. quite quickly and it's probably not happening quick enough to suit the customer's buying cycle at the moment. One one other question I absolutely want to ask. I was surprised to learn that it's the dress dresses are the top seller on the site. I don't know mm. why I'm surprised, but mm. as the buyer, the, the grand pooba of all buying here in here at the outnet, why the dress? What is it the dress why is the dress so popular? I would say, I have to say, personally I'm a huge fan of dresses. Good to know. Probably wear a dress six days out of seven. Um I think for me it's a, a one piece outfit that you put on mm-hmm. and you're top to toe kind of ready and then it's just your accessories and you know a a small tweak in styling but I think for customers 
A dress is a total look. You know, if you're going to invest in something, it's a, a whole outfit in that one piece. Mm -hmm. So I, I think to me it makes complete sense. And actually, in terms of retail trends, I've never worked in a business where dress hasn't been the strongest category by far. Really? Yeah. Okay, one other technical question. I was speaking to somebody who's an, a buyer, a big-time buyer, and she said that she never understood why fashion brands made things in brown because brown never sells. Is mm. that true? Uh, brown is a difficult colour. And actually, <laughs> again, this is where it gets really interesting. So um, according to certain regions, mm -hmm. there are also colours that are just complete no's. Really? So, yeah. For example, in the UK, bottle green is known as a complete no. Really? Yeah. And the thinking behind, is there... I, I think it's, um, I mean, this is, you know, it, it's all kind of opinion, but I yeah. think the opinion is that it's like school uniform colour. So oh. it just doesn't resonate very well with the audience. And actually, in terms of skin tone... You know, a lot of people can wear bottle green. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> color. I love that color. I That's what I don't understand. <laughs> I love it too. I love autumnal colors. But um, yeah, it just, it never works. So we try not to buy it too much. I was also impressed to learn that last year, the Outnet acquired 220,000 new customers. Hello. Like yeah. how, uh, talk to me about how, how are you bringing new people onto the site? What, what's the secret sauce? I mean, that's impressive. I would say our secret sauce, honestly, is our team. I think that um, I've never worked anywhere where we have such passionate and engaged people within mm -hmm. our business. We have constant kind of moments that we like to talk to the customer about. We've had several, um, again, capsules this year. We celebrated our 10 year birthday in mm -hmm. May. So yeah, customer acquisition obviously goes hand in hand with these exciting moments mm -hmm. um, and the way that really we're, we're reaching out to her to join us in this journey. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me um, a little bit about, you're doing a partnership, I believe, with a designer named Sophie, is it Hume? Yes, Sophie Hume. Tell me, this is, a very, this is different. You talked about collaborations and the kind of strategy, but this feels a lot more heartfelt. What, can you talk about that a little bit? I think, I mean, we have been in partnership with Sophie for a number of years, and obviously we're huge fans of her work. We were very saddened to hear that she has taken the decision to close the business and um, you know we just wanted to do something with her that would help you know mm -hmm. as part of our relationship. So mm -hmm. we, we had a, a recent collaboration with Sophie which has been extremely well received by mm -hmm. our customers and I think that um, she has been very pleased with the way that it's you know it, it's reached them. Going back to your own career I, one of the questions I like to ask pretty much everybody is can you talk about a moment where you made a misstep or a miscalculation? Not that it's a mistake, but that you, how you learned from it and how you pivoted and grew as in, in your career as a, a professional. Yeah, I think, again, I, I think this is that really interesting dichotomy of um, data and analysis over, you know, sentiment, emotion, um, experience. And I certainly, we changed the buying strategy in a business that I've been in previously, mm -hmm. and we changed it quite dramatically based on customer feedback that we were getting. And again, you know, information data of certain products that we were selling, which gave us the understanding that if we went in this certain direction, it would resonate with the customer. And we basically took it far too far. Hmm. And it was so interesting because actually when you stood amongst the product and you know your, um, you know, your store, your environment, you know your customers, you could just feel that it, it wasn't right and it didn't sell. 
So hmm. we had to very quickly course correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, experience is exactly that. It is making mistakes. It's learning. I think a good buyer can course correct and they can use their relationships to, to work with their brand partners to course correct together mm-hmm. so that you're still kind of driving into success. But um, you've just taken maybe a <laughs> slightly longer read A little together. detour. Exactly. A little bit of a detour. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me then a little bit about something um, on a more positive note uh, that's really exciting you right now, as professionally speaking. Is there a new platform? Is there a, a new product line? Is there or something that's actually happening in the industry that you think is really exciting and that you're really passionate about and happy to see happening? I think um, I am excited about the um, the sense of you know more of a, a circular economy within hmm. fashion. I think there's something in our model that you know does tend towards that area, and I think as well that the ex- exciting thing for a a business model such as ours is that brands, the industry as a whole, is really understanding the value of this, the entire seasonal cycle of product and where a customer is happy to invest and when and at what price. Mm -hmm. So I think whereas before we were considered just a you know an end of season business that would just take stock, Mm -hmm. we actually we don't work that way at all anymore. You know, we, we go out, we select, we plan. We have a real kind of place in the, the circular economy and the entire model of our, our brand partners, you know, stock cycle. Mm-hmm. So the evolution has been, I would say, it's gained pace over the last couple of years, and I think it's going to increase in traction. Okay, now I'm going to ask you my famous five generic fashion questions. Okay. You ready? Okay, Pressure's I'm on. Ready? ready? ready. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite piece of clothing that you own yourself? I would have to say, and this is very difficult, and you would probably get a different answer if you asked me on different days of the week, <laughs> but my, um, I have a jacket from Saleron, which is like a, a great black tuxedo with a, a satin lapel, and I absolutely absolutely love it. That is a very good choice, I have to say. Thank that you. one's going to go anywhere. What one piece, I mean, you know, everybody has to tighten their belt and, you know, if they're, but there's one piece that every woman should really invest money in like that or is that one item that it's worth? I would always say um, a great pair of heels. I think firstly they, um, you know, make any outfit and also just the, every woman has had the um, unpleasant experience of trying to walk in uncomfortable heeled shoes. It's mm-hmm. really worth for a good pair pair of heels okay who is your favorite designer living or dead so I would say I would say my ultimate is probably Coco Chanel Mm -hmm. I also really like the designer of Kate yeah I love Kate yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so um yeah I'm just I'm slightly obsessed with the the label so Mm -hmm. she would be my my you know she's so lovely yeah Yeah. she's just a doll she's so timid and doesn't like to put herself out there and yet she makes this clothing that's just so attractive to women yeah uh what trend will you never follow cycle shorts I'm with you there (laughs) (laughs) not a fan no no I could never pull those off and then finally what do you love most about fashion I love the way it can make you feel. I feel like it's your kind of, um, your camouflage. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly for myself personally, I use clothes to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you know your style and what's going to work with you, they're they're the ultimate kind of weapon. Thank you so much, Vicky. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you very much. 
Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.